Welcome to today's episode of the Bowtie Guy Podcast. On today's episode, we want to take a look at my favorite godfather of educational research, Dr. Robert J. Marzano. You know what? He's the co-founder and chief academic officer of Marzano Research in Denver, Colorado. Guess what? During his 50 years in the field of education, he has worked with educators as a speaker and trainer and has authored more than 40 books and 300 articles on topics such as instruction, assessment, writing, and implementing standards, cognition, effective leadership, and school intervention. Holy hootenanny, I'm out of breath. taking a look at one of my favorite books by Dr. Robert J. Marzano, something that is just hot off the press. It's been out just for a few years, but it's entitled The New Art and Science of Teaching by Robert J. Marzano. Now, we're going to look at one specific research-based instructional strategy that can pop and lock and check and wreck your student achievement. What in the blooming of Kentucky am I talking about? Now, we're going to be talking about element 29, utilizing friendly controversy. I'm going to title this episode, Controversy Creates Cash. What am I talking about? Let me tell you something right now. When you're in your classroom, you can utilize controversy, or friendly controversy that is, to enhance, to engage, to connect with your students. Therefore, pushing forth the agenda towards academic achievement. Now, here's what you need to understand. The strategies within this element, the utilizing friendly controversy, you know what? It stimulates intrigue and interest in students. This is a natural byproduct of controversy. Hey, controversy creates cash, right? When we are disagreeing with someone, we are usually highly engaged. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> However, controversy can become so emotionally charged that the participants can become combative and you're just losing focus. When this occurs, controversy adds little or nothing useful to an individual's knowledge base. When individuals conduct controversy in a civil manner, it can enhance the subject matter knowledge and the self-knowledge of all concerned, hence the term, quote-unquote, friendly controversy. Alright, so we're going to talk about several of the strategies underneath the umbrella of friendly controversy. First and foremost, you have friendly controversy. Now, this is where a student... Um, explains and defends their positions against a teacher. I'll never forget in high school, is my junior year, it was, I have to have an entire different episode about my, my uh, hiatus, my siesta, where I actually traveled to Adrian, Missouri for a short time, um, and I actually played a football season, and then I had to do the dip and head back home. Long story, but what I'll say is, is that, you know, I had a, a history teacher. His name was Heath Oates. He is now a superintendent uh, of a district in Missouri. So, needless to say, this dude had it going on like Donkey Kong before he became a superintendent. First and foremost, in, this, in the history class, I just remember <laughs> he was trying to uh, in, introduce, uh, introduce a concept of geography. And, and I'm not even sure where, like, all I know is I, I remember specifically that lesson. Why? Because he started out the class and he told everyone, this is kind of funny because it was before the whole flat earth, you know, debate, controversy. I think it's kind of stupid. But anyways, Coach Oates, he was also my football coach. He uh, just informed the class that the earth is flat. And um, he would love to hear anyone in the class 
tried to prove him wrong. And this is like a bell ringer. This was like something they opened the class with. And, you know, and me, I was trying to categorize, synthesize. I was trying to come up with some scientific calculation to prove him wrong. And he just had like a defense for everything I was saying. And I just thought it was hysterical just because... First and foremost, he, he, he didn't give up. He, you see what I'm saying? He didn't crack a smile. You could, you could tell that he was trying to get something out of us, but he didn't give us too much. He didn't crack a smile. He, he didn't like lose focus. Sure enough, he went through the entire class defending the fact that the earth is flat. We all know that it's not flat. I hope we know. <laughs> but I just remember that that controversy, just him going back and forth with his students, not only was engaging, hey, look, we're talking like 15 years later, I'm still remembering that particular lesson. So shout out to Coach Oates, Superintendent Oates. That was awesome. And I remember that so many years later. Now, how many times have you had a class vote? Now, I'm not talking about who wants cupcakes, who wants hot, no, I'm talking about something serious. The teacher, you can have students vote on a particular issue. Before and after the vote, students discuss the merits of various positions. The teacher might ask students to vote again after the final discussion. I love utilizing the class vote, especially during the shared inquiry part of uh, junior grade books. Junior grade books is a, it's a unit of study, it's a curriculum, if you will, that uh, fits very well in the palm of the hand of what we know as Common Core or um, just the collective um, standards that you know many of the states are adopt have adopted. Some you know inevitably stopped adopting and 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 came up with their own set of standards. But the fact of the matter is, Common Core, um, and, and not to get too far off topic, uh, Common Core fits really well in the palm of the hand of junior great books. Shared inquiry was something that you could really elicit a lot of debate, especially out of your. Um, Students that couldn't really write that well and, and, and were not uh, like extremely uh, talented readers, um, but they, once they were given the opportunity to have a mic in their hand, like to have a voice, they were very good at drawing conclusions, making inferences, and a lot of these skills that some of my gifted students uh, tended to struggle with. So it was a nice little uh, platform for my struggling learners to have a taste of success. Now, what about expert opinions? I'll never forget the time that I actually had um, Dr. Max White. He was my anthropology uh, professor in college. He's one of the last, uh, actually one of the first and last classes that I had uh, during my undergraduate coursework at Piedmont College. One of my first classes was, I think, Anthropology 101. And then the last class I ever took uh, at Piedmont College was like Anthropology 102 or something like that. It was the sequel to that. But let me just tell you, uh, he was um, well well endowed with age, uh, and, but, but here's the thing though, he was legit, legit as it gets. And the reason why, because he's an anthropologist, he's, he's went all over the, the earth studying people, why, the how, the, the where, the when, like I mean, and so like he's just a walking, talking encyclopedia Britannica of knowledge. But I remember when we were in uh, fourth grade, when I was teaching fourth grade, this is about three years ago. I gave, I volleyed an invitation to him because I wasn't exactly sure the compatibility between a college professor, especially one that's well endowed with age, and my nine and ten year old students uh, because <laughs> there's, I was worried about a disconnect. Sure enough, that dude came, that dude came in 
and he just dropped mics left and right. Why? Because he brought in artifacts and he like, I, I was just shocked and like, you know, and I gave him a hug after, after, you know, we said our goodbyes and everything. And I was like, man, you blew my mind, you know, like, and still like as a, an adult, like as a teacher, like you can still learn from those who are well endowed with experience, well endowed with age, well endowed with uh, years committed towards the profession. And he knew what he was doing. Like, even though that he, I, I don't even think that he's ever had a situation where he was teaching uh, for a salary that age demographic but sure enough he you know he had a grand slam on that the expert opinion though I love the fact that I refuse to call uh, the indigenous people of the United States Indians I it just it's offensive okay and it's just a thing of mine that I've just carried for years well anyways he straight up might might drop me in front of everyone he was just like James they're American Indians there's been substantial studies and um, investigations and surveys and what you, the, the people of whom you call Native Americans, they actually prefer the name American Indians. And I was like, blah, 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 blah. so, you know, regardless of how you feel about that, like, I was just like, wow, that's, that's pretty interesting. So, you know, the expert opinion, he sliced and diced what I thought was socially appropriate, uh, politically correct. And it was just fantastic. Uh, one book that I love to, <laughs> to speaking about friendly controversy when teaching Thomas Jefferson, he's a controversial figure. First and foremost, Lane Smith has an awesome book called John Paul, George, and Ben. And what you don't know is that Tom is represented in the book as well. Tom's portrayed as this uh, stick to himself. Uh, I'd say he's a genius, uh, just a kaleidoscope of talent. Um, but anyways, you know, he, he's bold and brave and, um, you know, he's kind of given a positive reflection. Best of Friends is a book that is written by Suzanne Tripp Germain, and you know, I'm sorry, it's Worst of Friends, and it's about the friendships, the frenemies that were Thomas Jefferson and John Adams, the second and third president of the United States. Well, they were very combative, uh, and, but it didn't necessarily give him a negative light in that book either. Well, an age-appropriate book by one of my favorite authors, Jonah Winter, uh, and then uh, Terry Widener actually wrote this book with Jonah Winter. The book is called My Name is James Madison Hemings, which this book checked and wrecked my class because Thomas Jefferson, and it's widely known now, it's actually confirmed as fact. Um, it, though he was a widower when he became president, he had younger daughters that kind of assumed the roles as a first lady. But he actually had a, uh, a girlfriend, I, I guess you'd say. It was actually a subordinate of it is, a, a slave. And he actually had a family with Sally Hemings. But the name of the book is called My Name is James Madison Hemings, which completely checked and wrecked the kids. I mean, but it's innocent. It's, it's, it's developmentally appropriate. But it pretty much just, it's first-person account. My name is James Madison Hemings. He is the son of Thomas Jefferson. He talks about the peculiarities of living on the plantation, of watching Thomas teach his daughters uh, and his grandchildren uh, the violin, but yet he's, you know, stuck to the field. And it, it is powerful, but I remember at the very end of the book where, you know, you have the mother of all mic drops, where it reveals the fact that Thomas Jefferson is his father. I swear to you, it's like a Hoover vacuum. <gasps> you like sucking the breath out of the class. Can I tell you something right now? You're utilizing friendly controversy when that happens. Why? Because look, the book was age, it's an AR book, uh, level 4.2, developmentally appropriate. Uh, the text complexity is appropriate. And you know what? It's a mother of all mic drops. And so it gets the kids thinking. Uh, but but it's not too explicit, not too uh, meandering where it's not appropriate. And so I love 
using that book to teach, to reach, to preach, you know, that there's different dimensions to every historian. And we can't judge a person and not and not trying to justify uh, what happened at that time, but it was just peculiar. And, and it just gets the kids thinking and, and, and asking questions. And perhaps maybe some questions are just better left unanswered, but it's just, it's, it's interesting to try to employ strategies such as element 29, the utilizing the friendly controversy to enhance that student achievement, to enhance that connection, to enhance that, that just that enjoyment of learning, just like with Coach Oates. I remember 15 years later what he did, that flat earth debate where he didn't even crack a smile. He just straight up, that's the way, he, that's the way it was, and we, we were trying to prove him wrong. Okay, so that's it for today. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Bowtie Guy podcast. I want to challenge you. You know what? Controversy creates cash. Email me at hortonedu, H-O-R-T-O-N-E-D-U at gmail.com. Shoot me some strategies, research-based strategies that you want me to discuss in a future episode. And if you want to talk about how you're utilizing friendly controversy to enhance student achievement, holler at me as well. You can visit my website at www.bowtieguyandwife.com. You can hit me up at Instagram, HortonEDU, and also BowtieGuyAndWife. And you can also hit me up on Twitter, BowtieGuyAndWife. And if you, if you need some videos, some content videos, head on over to my YouTube channel where, you know what, there's some bright light lighting, lightning, exciting videos that you can check and wreck your students with. This is the Bowtie Guy, James Horton. I want to thank you so much for watching. We'll see you in the next episode.